You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrated purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. In the federal budget on 11 May, the government announced an exciting proposal to repeal the work test for superannuation contributions for members between age 67 and 74. I'm your host, Craig Day, and here to discuss this quite exciting proposal is Linda Bruce, one of my senior technical services managers in the First Tech team. Hey, Linda. Hey, Craig. How are you? Very well. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Okay, so we are talking the repeal of the work test. So this was announced on federal budget. So do you want to go through what the changes actually were? Yes, certainly. This is really exciting news for many people, right? So at the moment, uh, the individual, uh, once they reach age 67, they needed to meet the work test, meaning they needed to have worked at least 40 hours within a 30-day period in the financial year before they make a voluntary contribution. Mm-hmm. Now, if this measure becomes legislated, then uh, going forward, uh, up until age 75, um, the individual doesn't have to meet the work test to make voluntary contributions. But that's only applied to non-concessional contributions uh, and the salary sacrifice the contributions uh, as per the budget paper. Okay, so when is this proposed to apply? Yeah, so this is um, uh, it could apply as early as first July twenty twenty one, meaning next financial year, because mm-hmm. the budget paper says it applies uh, the first July after a re- the bill enabling bill receives the royal assent. But just to be realistic. Uh, most likely we're not going to get the bill legislated before end of this financial year. So most likely we're going to see if ever happens, 1st July 2022 might be the effective date. Right. Okay. So now you mentioned there that this is applying to non-concessional contributions. So that's great. Um, salary sacrifice, that seems a little odd to me. So if someone said that's an employer contribution, wouldn't they automatically be satisfying the work test? Why is that in there? You would think so, right? But from practical, a, a practice perspective, think about it. If I am 67 or above, and if I am working, I am salary sacrificing, the trustee of the super fund will have to go out and ask me, Am I, can I meet the work test before they are able to accept that the contribution? Right. The removal of work tests just makes things so much easier and it will release a lot of burden, both for the trustee and the individual. Right. And I think also there's there's a technical issue there as well. Mm. Not that it's probably kind of a rat to micey kind of thing, but theoretically it would be impossible to salary sacrifice in the first week of the financial year. So it That's also right. gets rid of that little problem. Now, okay, now you've said non-concessional, you've said salary sacrifice, but there's 
lots of other contribution types we can make. So the big one here is you didn't mention personal deductible contributions. So I can make a personal contribution, but mm. can I claim a tax deduction on the way through or do I have to satisfy a work test there? That one we know for sure because the budget paper clearly stated if you are going to make a personal deductible contribution, meaning I make a personal contribution, I lodge a notice of intent and I claim that amount in my tax return as a deduction, well, you still need to meet the work test to be able to do so. So that's a bit weird, isn't it? Because when you think about it, the, the trustee is going to be able to accept the contribution because it's a personal contribution. In fact, what that work test is now doing is applying to your ability to claim that contribution as a deduction. So you will now have to, between age 67 and 74, yeah. assuming this proposal gets up, is that you'll actually have to satisfy a work test of working 40 hours within 30 consecutive days to actually claim the contribution as a deduction. That's right. Yeah. So um, so probably when, when I think about that, um, I think the government has spotted an opportunity there that might have been unintended. So when you think about it, people that would have been retired for maybe five years, mm -hmm. and depending on their total super balance, they could have used those catch-up concessional contribution rules to make very, very large personal deductible contributions here. So what they're essentially saying there is, no, you're still going to have to be subject to the work test to do that. Now, what about other types of contributions? So I can think of you know, what about a voluntary employer contribution? So it's not a salary sacrifice, mm. but it's a, it's an additional contribution employers making over and above their SG obligation. Mm. Is that going to be subject to the work test? Well, very good question, Craig. It's not mentioning in the budget paper. We simply do not know. And it's a very common practice among small business people. They make that a contribution. Employer makes that a contribution, say, on 30th June or mm -hmm. very close to 30th June, and the business can claim a deduction. That's not a super guarantee. That's not salary sacrifice contribution. That's a voluntary employer contribution, as you mentioned earlier. But we just don't know. Okay, so yeah. in that context, you would think, probably they're gainfully employed anyway, so hopefully yeah. <laughs> they would satisfy that test. What about things like personal injury and small business CGT contributions? Yeah, so that's the thing. It was They were not mentioned in the budget paper either. Uh, think about it. They go in just like a non-concessional contribution. They form part of the tax-free component, but clearly they are not a non-concessional contribution. Mm. So at this stage, we just don't we know don't the answer know. to it. Okay. So thinking about personal injury there, I mean, mm. I was dealing with one just a couple of weeks ago where where someone had been involved in a car accident and they had received a payout, mm. um, but they were just over the age of 75. So they weren't actually no, 67, mm -hmm. not 75, they were unable to make a contribution because they weren't going to be able to satisfy the work test because right. of, um, they're not working and because of their injuries, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so this would open this up now. But when I think about that, that doesn't mean that that client in that situation come 1 July 2022 is going to take that money and be able to put it into super because there is some time. Yeah, yeah. So there's a 90-day time limit mm. there. But what about, um, I suppose, for small business CGT, this might just provide, if it does apply, that would be really helpful because if I'm over 67, I'm selling a business, mm. so I do have to worry about trying to get these contributions in within tight timeframes mm. like before the end of the financial year. I'm selling assets. I'm not sure about timing. This just would give you extra time frame to get this in. Yeah, if they include this. If they include. Yeah. And when you think about it, I mean, 
once again, we have to wait and see, but it would make sense that they would extend it here, but we just have to wait and see. I suppose another one there, really, when I think about it, might be spouse contributions. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so there's a few, there's a, there's a bit of stuff here to confirm. Now, moving on to um, the bring forward rule. So we've talked about that these rules will be, the work test will be repealed for non-concessional contributions. So we know that we've got some current changes there in terms of the bring forward rules. Mm. So just just to give us an update of where all of that is at and then we can have a look at what these proposed changes mean for, for bring forward. So, yeah. well, you know, we were meant to be going to age 67, weren't we? Has that, that gone through right. yet? No, it hasn't. It went through the House of Reps uh, almost a year ago. Uh, it stuck, uh, got stuck with the Senate, like, mm. forever, we still having to see the light of the day. Yeah. So I suppose there's one way you could think about this is there's no need for that, that if this change yeah. goes yeah. through, um, that there would be no no need for that. But I was actually chatting to Peter Burgess from the SMSF Association just the other day about mm-hmm. all of these changes. And he said he'd been talking to the minister's office and they still were saying that they intend to implement that change through mm-hmm. to age 67 because mm-hmm. I think that's going to be important because otherwise there's this theoretical gap between when these rules come in. So hopefully we do get these things through. Now, okay, the million one dollar question though. So if we do have the work test repealed for non-concessional contributions, are we going to be able to make non-concessional contributions under the bring forward rules out to age 74? Well, that's the other thing we don't know. We don't know the answer to. Uh, The information released by the budget paper could be interpreted in one way or the other. Really? Is that a good way to put it? Two different yeah. ways. Yeah. <laughs> Two different ways, thank you. <laughs> so we took a view um, uh, that it will not be extended beyond age 67, mm-hmm. um, provided the current bill in the Senate becomes legislated. But the rest of the industry or many other people interpreted in a way that it will be extended to age 74. So... Um, at this have, stage, we just have to wait for for the information to yeah, clarify this. Yeah, because I remember looking on budget night. There's there's a fact sheet there that does seem to imply it, but then when mm. you go and look at the budget paper itself, mm. it also says to subject to existing you know contribution caps. caps. Yep. So there's two ways you can read that. Now, one thing I would say is if we do see in the legislation that it gets confirmed that you can use the bring forward rule through to age seventy four. Now, we have to wait and see this, but I would expect that don't think your client's going to be able to make a $330,000 or up to a $330,000 contribution at age 74. Because when you think about what the the non-concessional bring forward rule does, it allows you to bring forward future years of concessional non-concessional caps sorry, mm-hmm. into the current year to allow you to make a contribution of up to three thirty. dollars Now, is it likely that the government is going to allow you to bring forward future years of cap for 75 and 76, for example, where you would not otherwise be permitted to make a voluntary contribution to superannuation? You don't have a cap at that stage. No, I don't know. I think you do. I think you do have a cap. It's just that the trustee can't accept the contribution. That's right. Right? So, So I would not be surprised at all. Now, we have to wait until we see the actual legislation, mm. but I would not be surprised at all if something like at 72 we can do a mm. 330 subject yeah. to total super balance. Then when we get to 73, I'm allowed to bring forward only one year of contribution. I have my cap at 74. I can't bring forward cap at 75 because I can't contribute at 75, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 
um, subject to that 28-day rule, but we'll just ex- exclude that for, for complexity's sake. So yeah. at 73, I can do 220. Mm. At 74, I can't bring forward any caps, right? So yeah. I've got 110, and then at 75, I can't make any non-concessional contributions anyway. So we have to wait and see, but I would, you know, I personally would have $5 on that now, some people, you know, have said that. Oh, what about when you're 64, you can bring forward? Yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get into that. It's it's a little bit more complicated, but essentially, the view there you could say was, well, someone has the ability to go and satisfy a work test for 66 and 67, right, under the current rules. So, but at 75, you can't. There's yeah. just no mm-hmm. ability. Yeah. All right. Now, in terms of strategies, what is this? Because I think this is going to open up a lot for people. So, you want to run, start running through. Mm. a couple of what people or what advisors can to utilize with their clients here yeah naturally recontribution strategy uh we don't have to rely on work test to make a contribution mm-hmm. that means extra 80 years to make additional non-concessional contribution so that's just brilliant for utilizing the recontribution strategy mm-hmm. so i might be thinking about doing that for uh, obviously estate planning purposes mm. but also i could see there the potential for someone that's, you know, that disaster result where you get to retirement with a couple and let's say mm. he's got 1.6 in an account-based pension yep. but with a million dollars left in accumulation phase and the spouse, mm. he or has she, very little, you know, right? has very little, right? So you've mm. missed out on an opportunity there to get a massive amount mm. into um, the tax-free retirement phase that's because right. you haven't equalised balances on the way through. This would allow you to address that. Yep. So if we took a client that, um, you know, that maybe 68, yep. um, that's going to give them the opportunity to get oh, $770,000 out of the high balance client, so out of the accumulation mm. sitting there, across to the spouse and then she contributes and then subject to her transfer balance cap, yep. she can now get that into the tax-free retirement phase. So I think that's mm. going to be a really useful strategy yep. for a lot of people. So in your example, that means additional $770,000 moving into the tax-free retirement from, from phase. That's taxable really, to tax-free. Yeah, yeah it makes powerful. a massive difference. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think also when I look at my parents, you know, and I've, God, I've done all sorts of things with my parents. I've killed them off early and all sorts of stuff. Um, I remember they're now both over 75, right? But I remember uh, between when they retired leading up to 75, um, they were actually doing work. They, was, I've, I've told stories about them being in exam invigilators, mm. sitting there eagle-eyeing, you know, poor little students doing their university exam. So they were eligible to contribute. So they were taking their pension payments out, saying, I don't actually need this income mm. and whacking it straight back in, mm. right, as a non-concessional contribution. I would assume here that that's going to be... Absolutely. As we grow older, the minimum pension drawdown is required to be a lot more. Um, so many people just don't need that income, but they have to take the money out of the tax-free pension system. Yep. So what they can do now, as long as they're under age 75, mm. they can recontribute that amount subject to the total super balance, yep. uh, you know, recycle and put it back into super. Get it back in. Mm. What about um, in the year of retirement? So typically when someone's retiring mm. uh, and they've satisfied, so they're over, let's say they're retiring at age 68 or 69, mm. and they're looking to get assets into superannuation to bump yep. up their, their super balance. Yep. What that generally means is if they're going to go and sell assets to contribute them into super or if they're doing an in-specie SMS kind of thing, um, they have to realise those gains in the same year as they've got all their employment income. Now, 
would have been great if they could make personal deductible contributions here. So if we've got someone that is retired, mm. 68, 69, would like to sell some assets, get it in, they're not going to be able to do that as a personal deductible contribution. Um, but if I'm retiring in that year, I've mm. now got a bit more time, don't I? I can actually, in that year, I can potentially, mm. yes, put some in as a personal deductible contribution, mm-hmm. but then think about, well, how about I hold on to some of these other assets and I sell them next year? Yep. When I've got a hundred percent, you know, superannuation income stream running, I'm over the age of sixty. That's all tax free. Mm, yeah. um, so I can then actually, even though I don't get to use the personal deductible contribution rules anymore, because mm. you know, I have to satisfy a work test, um, if I get the timing right, yeah. I can help manage that. Now, if I'm going selling an investment property and realizing that, that's I, not going to work, right? Yeah, right. But, <laughs> but if I've got shares, right, I can time yeah. the sale of those shares over a number of years. Mm, yeah. Um, targeting my tax-free threshold, effective tax-free threshold, about $23,000 or whatever it is. And those people would be over age of pension age. They would be eligible for SEPTO, the senior and the yep. pensioner tax offset. So yep. that tax-effective threshold would be higher yep. than $23,000. Well, yep. there we go. Okay, so some really great opportunities there. And I think the final opportunity here mm. is thinking about downsides of contribution. Now, we've got another podcast on downsides of contributions, mm. but... If I'm now over 67, mm. I've got the opportunity to think, do I make downsizer contributions here or do I make a non-concessional contribution? All the way up to 75. After 75, I've still got downsizer. That's right, right. yeah. But between 67 and 74, I've got to think, well, what do I use? Do I use non-concessional or mm. do I use downsizer? And remember there that downsizer, you only get one shot at it. That's right. Yep. So in a lot of circumstances, it might be better for the client to use Non-concessional, non-concessional rather than downsizer. Yeah. Okay. I agree, yeah. Okay. So lots there to think about. Let's hope these these rules do get through. They get legislated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we said, we're expecting that they become effective 1 July 2022 unless the government did pulled a rabbit out of a hat and got this through um, in the lead up to 30 June this year. But I, I would think unlikely, but, you know, we don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the chances are this becomes effective from the 1st of July 2022. Okay. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please remember, these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.